Before I realized it wasn't healthy, I was motivated by guilt. I thought guilt was like the normal thing you just feel in your gut all the time. And now I realize I don't like that feeling. So I'll let it set for a second and be like, what is, oh, this is guilt. And then I work out of it. I don't let it stick around. I used to let it stick around. In fact, I feel like that's the only thing I knew how to feel was like guilt and I'm always letting someone down or I'm letting myself down. And now I just don't like that feeling. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than 9 to 5. All right, let's get into it. Today, our guest is Joanna Gaines. I have been waiting a very long time to say that. I am so excited. She is an author, designer, chef, and businesswoman. You know her from, I mean, a lot of things. Her hit HGTV show, Fixer Upper, and for the lifestyle brand, she started with her husband, Magnolia. The brand has home furnishings, a TV network, a magazine, a real estate portfolio, including a brand new hotel in Waco, Texas. Joanna has also been named one of Time Magazine's most influential people and has written eight books, including multiple cookbooks, children's books, and memoirs. Joanna, welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Wow. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, before we get into the conversation, we'd like to do a lightning round. So quick questions, quick answers. Now, I just, I'm warning you, I'm the slowest lightning round contestant ever because I'm a slow processor. So we'll see what comes out of my mouth. Okay, I'll try to guide you. Okay. First job you got paid for. I worked at an all-you-can-eat buffet. What was your role? Oh, I was, I started as like the cash register. Like how many buffets do you and your family need? I hand you the tray and then I upgraded to server. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was hostess and then upgraded to server. The server is a tough job. Yes. I actually preferred the hostess role for sure. Same. What is something we cannot Google about you? Oh gosh. This is when I need help from my friends. They know me well. I don't know. I have a lot of quirks and a lot of weird things that I think people would be quite surprised by. And maybe I like to keep it that way. (laughs) So I'm not going to tell you. I'll try it a different way. Is there like, I always love asking this question. We've gotten some really good answers. What's like the most ridiculous rumor you've seen or like headline you've seen published about you or like you guys? Wow. Well, early on, it was that we moved from the farm. And so all of our neighbors, even till this day, everyone even in Waco believes that we moved, even though like everything I post is still at the farm, Uh, hundreds of things that every time I'm like, ah, that's one more thing. You know, there's some stuff about our personalities, even our marriage. There's some stuff. People just like to say things that aren't necessarily true. But the problem is, is that certain people hang on to that headline and never know that wasn't actually true. So that's the fun part. What's your morning routine? Morning routine, I get up and I have to wash my face right away. Otherwise, it's hard to wake up. And then Chip makes me a cup of coffee. And then I go sit in my laundry room for about 20 minutes and I journal. In the laundry room? Yes. 
I I say this as if you know, when I wrote my book last year, however, I don't even know where I'm at, two years ago, a year ago, most of the book was written in the laundry room. And there's something about that space I created. There's a table in there. There's a place for me to sit because it was the place I felt the most normal. Like I'm a mom. There's something about the smell of the laundry, the sound. And that's my space. Like when I do work at home, I'm in the laundry room. There's something about the room that's so soothing and it's like the rawest version of me. And so that's how I start my day. If I don't do that, Chip pays for it later. He's like, Joe, go in the laundry, go do your thing. Cause I just, I need to like set myself up for the day emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Describe the new hotel in three words. Ooh, historic, eclectic, 20s glam. Last TV show you binge watched. I've been watching The Golden Bachelor with my girls. So good. (laughs) I'm very into it. It's so fun. Last lightning round question. You're you're doing pretty well, by the way. Lightning rounds, I feel like they should be like one answer words, and I'm giving you multiple paragraphs. Best advice for working with your husband? I think the best advice I have is to, as you step into that relationship beyond just we're partners, but it's like we're now we're working partners. It's very different that you have to write at the front. You have to be very self-aware of like, what are your strengths and weaknesses and what value do you bring to the table when it comes to that business? And then on the flip side, you have to fully be aware and respect the differences or the things that they bring to the table and know your lane in those strengths and weaknesses. I want to start with your life before HGTV, before Magnolia, before Chip. When you thought about what you wanted for yourself, did you vision this big life? Maybe not as specifically, but like, what did you want? Never, even like, I mean, a fraction of it, my brain could not have conceived of all of this. I feel like sometimes I'm just like this, like a dichotomy where there's a part of me that when I remember when I was younger and I would dream about something, it was the same thing forever. So it was, and I think a lot of us grow up like that, like I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a teacher and then I'll retire. So that was kind of my mindset. But then there was a small part of me that every now and then when I would allow myself to dream, it was that I was doing something unique, different that didn't go with the flow. But I rarely allowed myself to go there. Instead, I was kind of always the play it safe kind of a gal, but I think I always knew I wanted to do something on my own. I wanted to be my own boss. And the path to get me there, I thought was my father owned a tire, like an automotive shop. And I knew he had three girls and he sat us down and said, I don't have a son to pass this down to, but I feel like if any of y'all are ever interested, just know this is something I'd love to pass down. And I raised my hand because I was like, well, there's my path to owning my own business. I worked for my dad for 10 years and I, I could sell a set of tires. My favorite challenge was when a guy would come up to the counter and ask for a male salesman. And I would say, no, no, try me. And so that was always a fun challenge for me. So for me, it, it, that hit the bucket of it was safe because I knew it would work because my dad set it up so well. But then it also was allowing me to be my own boss. And then it wasn't until I met Chip that a bigger world opened up as to like anything's possible. What do you want to dream of? And that's kind of how it started. So you meet Chip. There's like the such cute story with Magnolia Tree. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like from the outside, 
looking at it, it's like this just amazing story, a fairy tale story. In the beginning, did you have any moment where you're like, I wanted to be my own boss and now I met someone, I'm sharing a life with him and I'm going to build a business with him? Were you ever freaked out at that thought? I don't think, because early on when we were dating, even engaged, it it was more that I think the freak out was that I thought what was best for me was safe. And so what I always looked for when I was dating was someone who, you know, just played by the rules, predictably. I don't know. I Maybe I was looking for someone like me and I realized, thank God, I didn't, you know, that we would have maybe been bored together. But I think for me, it was kind of that feeling of like when you go on a ride that you're like, I don't, I'm terrified to do this, but you know, it's going to be so good. That's what it felt like dating Chip and even saying yes and then getting married was, oh my gosh, he's not who I thought I would end up with. Someone who's constantly challenging me, pushing me to do hard things, impossible things. That seems so scary. But on another side, it felt so exciting. With Chip, it was like, let's go. Don't even think about it. Jump. And so that that was more what I was nervous about is like, this is about to be a life of nothing I ever expected. And so then as I move into that, let's go, let's jump, it started feeling like, let's open a business. I had three businesses written down when I worked for my father that I had dreamed of. It was a bakery, a spa, and a, a little home boutique. And he looked at them and said, I don't get why you have these things hiding in a notebook, why wouldn't you do it? And I really was like, why wouldn't I? Like, so started just challenging me in ways I would never, never was challenged. And so the summer after we got married, like a month later, we bought a building and started Magnolia. And it never felt scary. It felt like I have a partner now walking alongside me that all the things I'm scared of, he's not. So it felt like I wasn't alone in that journey. So it actually felt so empowering and exciting. Let's talk about another part of this founding story for you that I'm really curious about is you're someone that you play it safe. You didn't have a formal design background and training. Do you think that actually not having that experience contributed to you finding such success in that area? Like you didn't know kind of the rules that you might have been breaking. Right. I do because knowing I'm such a rule follower and I'm kind of a, you know, play within the box in a lot of ways, I feel like that would have limited what I could see where for me with, especially with design and, and even doing that out loud beyond just doing this for clients quietly here before we were ever found for Fixer Upper, I think it caused me to use muscles like instincts and gut feeling. And if I would have known all the head knowledge, I think I would have just always lived up there and just said, well, this is what I learned. I just know my personality. So I feel like it's a true gift that for me, the way I'm wired, that I stepped into it with more of a feeling than a a knowledge of it. But as I've now done this for years, there is such an admiration that I have for the education of like just design. So I think it's like to each his own. For me, it it, would work best that I didn't know. But in that, I struggled for years with that imposter syndrome of, I bet I'm being judged by every formal designer that's watching this. I bet they're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's saying that out loud. And so you just have to get past that. Same with cooking. When I was doing the cooking show, I had to get past that. Oh, I bet every trained chef is like, 
oh my gosh, who is this person in the kitchen? But I think when you are fully aware that, you know, it's constantly about learning and trying new things and just staying on that side of it. I never want to act like I know the answers. I, I really don't. And every time I step into a house, the, the rules change. And so something about that truly keeps me on my toes. But I also think for me, it's just, I feel like I had to fight a little harder, which makes it kind of fun. Do you feel like now that is something that helps you lean into things that aren't safe? Like, do you care when people say that now? Does it get to you? No. You know, it's funny because when I'm designing a project, I, I try not to, for me personally, and I tell a lot of my clients, go find inspiration and bring it to me so I can understand what's in your brain and I can kind of see visually. For me, though, when I'm about to start any project, I can't look at inspiration pictures because I, I just get so locked. And so it's kind of like that with just what people say. That stuff, it, it takes the focus off of why I do what I do and how I do it. And so I assume people say it just like, I mean, it's just life. But I think for me, it's like as long as I know what my intention is and then I'm helping someone and it's just that one client, I, I can't care about anybody else because they're my client. This is what they've asked for. Or even if it's something like the hotel project where I don't really have a client, it's just more this is a dream job and we're doing this. You're going to have a critique about everything. I'm actually my own worst critic. So that's about as far as I want to go with it. I don't need anyone else in my head. I'm hard enough on myself. So, you know, working through that. So you guys do Fixer Upper. It's a huge success. When did you know that you had a very deep and unique relationship with an audience? I think when people started coming to Waco in droves, I had reopened my little shop and was working, doing displays. And I would see a lot like line out the door and everybody was, I mean, New York, Florida, California. And we didn't understand that people would travel so far to just come see the little shop on Bosque because that was the only tangible experience that they could be a part of if they came to Waco that had to do with like Fixer or whatever. So I think in those moments early on, maybe 2014, 2015, we realized there was a connection they were having to something. What it was, we didn't understand. We honestly felt like, what? <laughs> I mean, we just celebrated our 20th this past weekend at the silos for celebration. And we saw, you know, thousands of people just all over the grounds for three days. And it still does not ever settle in us that this is real, that people would get on a plane in a car, they'd spend the weekend with us. So, I mean, you know, people ask, what is that connection? We just feel like two normal people from Waco that put ourselves out there a little bit, but for whatever reason, it resonated with people and there's a connection there. And we're so grateful for it. But we are for sure dumbfounded, like, and honored. How long did you guys feel on the business side that the execs took notice that you had leverage to be able to kind of design what you wanted this to start to become? You know, I feel like in our working relationship, when we were with the network where Fixer started and even the production company, you know, Chip and I are just so unique in that what we were filming on TV felt like 5% of our lives. The 95% of running the business, growing the business, you know, managing, you know, all of our beautiful Magnolia team members and then our family and the far, all the stuff. I think it was for, for us a realization that if y'all want us to keep doing this, you know, it's got to work within our lifestyle, which is the filming piece was always hard for us, to be completely honest. 
because it never really fit into our lives. We're small business owners. That's how we operate. We are very hands-on in our business, very much so even then, that when we would have to film, it felt like it was disrupting our routine. And we were like, okay, what do we need to film? And we were really trying to capture the real life moments because that's the second I would step onto a project was when I was really going to step onto the project to meet with the design team or, you know, the subs. And so I think by the end, they understood it's got to fit into our life. I think in the beginning, we didn't understand what production even was. So year one, it took over our lives. And I didn't know how to do both. It was like, wait, but I have payroll. I've got to pay on Friday. So there was a struggle. I think towards the end, there was a little more obviously give because we couldn't have done it. And then I think ultimately when we decided to come back, you know, a few years later, it was truly just on our own terms. It was our own production company doing it so that it went from we were filming four to five days a week to now we film one day a week and they move in and out of our schedule, which is, again, because we really are running this business. We can't film that much. You describe yourself as small business owners. Is, is that still how you see yourself? You know, I think so now it's like when, especially over the weekend, when you look at the grounds, you know, because it's grown so much in our hearts, we're small business owners. I think when you talked about the intro, I'm sitting there going, oh, that's a, we have a magazine and a network. And so I don't think I can really say small business owner anymore because now we have these amazing partnerships, but our hearts are always the way we do our business here at Magnolia is we think like small business owners. And I don't know what the difference is, but I don't want it to be so systematic or so structured that the magic can't weave in and out of the processes. So I don't know what we are, honestly. But Chip and I always say, oh, small business owners. Maybe I should say we think like small business owners. Yes. There are many things that I'm like just in awe of, of what you guys have created from literally the ground up. And as someone that works in media, what I find fascinating is that you guys have been able to create an audience that's a total cross-section of America. And that is nonpartisan in nature. People are coming to you guys to look at you and what you do and your family. And when I was, you know, doing research for this, someone said, and this really stuck with me, that it's almost impossible to replicate that kind of audience these days, which I agree wow. with. But they said that... The magic that you guys create is that everyone thinks you're theirs. <laughs> Was that intentional? Not intentional. I will say my favorite thing about Chip is, and what I have just learned just by partnering with him in life, is that every human being, their story, it matters. And to stay curious and to never just think because they're this or that. or and, and so that is, I think, truly how we have tried to run our business, how we look at people, that it's like the details don't trip us up. In fact, the more different you are from someone else or even us, it's like we want to learn about it. We want to know. We want to stay curious. And I, I, I hope that resonates with people in that we just think that every person is so unique and interesting and to know them more is to only to bring value to your own life. And so um, I don't know if that, like, again, we didn't start on day one and say, let's try to come across as apolitical so that both sides like us, that was not a goal or a strategy. And I think the bottom line is, is like when you take the focus off the details of our differences, which are unique and interesting, but for some people, they create this divisive thing for whatever reason. But when you focus on things like 
hope and beauty. I think that stuff is always what rises in the end, and that's what wins. And I think so many times we get lost somewhere outside of hope and beauty and the things that truly matter. So for us, the work we do is hopefully that we want to focus on, you know, the things that we feel like, whether that's in the magazine or the shop or the network, things that bring people together. And that's really, I think, at the heart of our business being home. Like we truly want people to feel at home regardless. When I look at what you have created, I am struck by, honestly, how you've done it being a mom of a lot of kids <laughs> and how, and, and I asked this and we've been doing at, at the skim, you know, a real push around making it transparent. Like how do you make it work? Because I think that's not what people talk about enough. You mm -hmm. and your husband are in this together mm -hmm. and your family has been in it. How do you guys on a Tuesday, like what kind of help do you have? How do you do it without losing your mind? And yes, I love being a parent. I love my business. Yeah. I get all of that. But like, what actually allows your family to function? I will say, as much as I dreaded my kids driving, my kids driving <laughs> has taken a significant chunk of stuff off of my plate. That helps because now they can get themselves to, to their own sports. But like on a typical Tuesday. So for me, because my priority has always been and always will be, obviously, my relationship with Chip and then me as a mother first. And so all the business stuff is great. And, but the priority is I start my schedule. I look at it last week. So when you say, what does your Tuesday look like, which is today, Tuesday? Is today Tuesday? Is today Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. I just checked my phone. So I planned, I planned, you know, this Tuesday, two weeks ago, and that's not even really in advance. Some of my stuff has to be a little further than that. Every day I say, okay, my kids are going here. My kids are going there. How can I go to pick up to pick my kids up? Sometimes I, I miss pickup and then my friend will bring him here, drop him off, and then they go play down in the rec room. So there are days I can't. I had good intentions of being there at 3.30 and my meeting went long. But all that to say, I have to pre-plan pretty significantly. I also have to just get my game face on, honestly. I get home at 5.30 and there are so many days... I'd say the last three meals that I had pre-planned, I said, I can't. I get home at 5.30 and I'm like, I cannot make a meal. And I asked Chip to bring home something. And sadly, sometimes the kids just prefer that because they wanted pizza or they wanted, you know, takeout. But then I'm like, oh, we all win. So there are days where my plan does not work because I just, I don't want to do it. I just, I can't. I'm tired and I just want to veg and sit. And there are other days when I don't want to do it and I know I need to do it because it's actually, when I do it, it's so good for me because it is grounding. So last night, for instance, this is how bad it is. I like will have it all set out in the morning so that when I get home, I'm forced to like literally. So all the things, all the ingredients, minus the cold stuff, so last night I was going to say, I told the girls, let's put it all up. And they were like, mom. And then I realized, okay, they want this food tonight. I made them help me. We actually had so much fun in the kitchen. By the end of it, I'm cleaning dishes. My heart is so full. Takeout could have never done that. And so, you know, there are moments where it's like, I'm surprised that it, I'm glad I pushed it. And I mean, five kids is a lot of kids. It's amazing. Yeah. Five kids that are in sports is tricky. Friday night, I have a boy playing in a baseball tournament in college, and I have a son playing his final football game, both on Friday night, and they're in two different towns. And I'm dying because I'm like, what am I going to pick? <laughs> so stuff like that. So do you guys split up? 
Well, in in that case, Chip will take one. But then I have the guilt of, but mom wasn't at my game. And then like last weekend, celebration, I had a daughter who was in the state championship. It just came up last minute. And I'm speaking at celebration Saturday night. Do you think Chip feels that same push and pull of like the guilt? I'm like, Chip, if I had 1% of your never feeling guilty about anything, and I don't know what it is. He's just so, he's like, the kids get it, Joe. You're too hard on yourself. I don't think Chip, guilt isn't a thing. I don't think yeah. he feels no, guilty. No, he's a guy. That's why yeah. I'm asking. It's different. Uh, but is that a total guy thing? For me, it's that like, they'll always remember mom wasn't there if they won this big thing. But the, I also know when I talk to them and I'm very transparent with them and I am like, did that hurt your feelings? Like, I am so sorry. I need you to understand. I did not know you were going to the state championship when we planned celebration. This is a ticketed event. People are expecting me to be on stage. I can't not be there. But I have to like, for me, I feel guilty whether my kid was excited, I was or wasn't there. I just think as a mother, I want to be everywhere. I want my kids to know I fully am like in and I support them. So, ugh, it's that kind of stuff that sometimes you just, you can't do it all. And you've written about dealing with high levels of of burnout that I'm assuming is from trying to do it all and having the pressure of your own expectations. Has that improved? What's helped? It has improved. I will say, though, in real life this season, for whatever reason, I think now that like all my big kids are either college or high school, I've never felt the pinch more than this year, especially this fall, because that's where all sports are happening at the same time. And so, yeah, naturally, I'm going to feel guilt. I will say, though, the guilt doesn't stay around long, where before I realized it wasn't healthy, I was motivated by guilt. I thought guilt was like the normal thing you just feel in your gut all the time, that nervous, like guilt feeling. And now I realize I don't like that feeling. Now that I'm aware of it, I don't like it at all. So I'll let it set for a second and be like, what is, oh, this is guilt. Okay, well, this will prompt me to go talk to my kid to make sure they understand. I'm really upset and sad I didn't get to make it. Are you okay? And then I work out of it. I don't let it stick around. I used to let it stick around. In fact, I feel like that's the only thing I knew how to feel was like guilt and I'm always letting someone down or I'm letting myself down. And now I just don't like that feeling. So I'm thankful for that awareness. When we started this interview, I asked, did you know what you wanted out of your life? And more recently, you guys, you know, you transitioned away from Fixer Upper and leaving HGTV. You made the decision to to really build out the Magnolia brand and in so many ways. Those more recent things, like in the past few years, did you guys as a couple, as a family, like envision what you wanted? Or is this still more of a freedom to try things like more of the chip method or more of the leaning into what feels good and safe for our family now? Yeah, I think like just current being at this 20 year mark and Chip and I have both felt this, which we think is pretty funny that we're feeling the same kind of at 20 years feeling, especially with Drake, my oldest, going off to college, that shifts a lot of things, obviously in your home, but also just for me as a mom. And I think Chip, maybe he doesn't even recognize the shift because he's such a cheerleader. Like he was like cheering Drake to college. And I'm like, if you would have thought, I mean, I was not well, still not well. I'll find myself just bawling. And I'm like, 
holy cow. And, and that the irony is that I'm not a crier. I've never cried my whole life. I've been a robot because I'm strong. And I'm now I'm like, oh my gosh, the 40 years, 45 years I've like not cried have all come out in six months. And my point is, is that this year has just been a shift for us. And I think for us, like the shift in our family dynamic, because home is the most important thing to us, that you talk about all the shifts that have happened in our business over the last 10 years have not done a thing to us physically. We just like, great, this is fun. We'll try it. That shift in our home has been so significant in our souls that it is business is like, I love our business, but... (laughs) My kid just went to college. This is fun. This has changed. So I I don't know what it is about this 20th year. Is it because it's 20 that Chip and I are looking back with really grateful hearts, but also looking forward going, what do we do? And at the same time, kind of marrying in what you've most recently talked about, about living more spontaneously. Is that kind of the theme from here? Yes. I am one of those that can hunker down and do this for the rest of my life. I love the job. I love my work. I love showing up. But I also know that someone like Chip, he loves that spontaneity. He craves it. That to be a good partner to him, I have to be available for that stuff. It's good for my own soul. Like rhythm and routine is good in some ways. And in other ways, you almost get numb or you stop seeing things. And so for me, because I know myself and I know that I can just get on a a schedule and stick to it and not want anything to bump into that, half the time I miss the magic because I didn't allow room for it. And so in this next part of my life, my journey, as I wrote the book, one thing I kind of told myself is you've got to leave more room for the miracles, for the magic. You can't just control your day so much so that you're efficient, you're there for everybody, you're doing all the things. You have to leave that margin so that your soul is lifted so that I can create things that I never thought I could create. And so that's something I'm fighting for now that I'm fighting, like aggressively fighting for. Like I'm very passionate about that. So I had two kids under two. My oldest is now three. I am obsessed with them. I'm, you know, trying to build the brand and thinking about it as hopefully one day growing into what you guys have created, both in in family and obviously business. And I definitely fall into that. You know, I control what I can, got to be efficient. Here's my vision. Here's how I get there. What is your tip? Or like something you would tell the versions of me out there that are trying to, like, I would love to leave space for the magic, but I actually don't know how you do that. It actually is doable. It just may have to be on the weekend. I have told the team I will be off every Thursday. And if I can be off, I will be off every Tuesday, Thursday, where there's nothing planned and there's nothing scheduled. And so right now it's Thursdays. And I will wake up, I take the kids to school, I come home, I have no agenda, no whatever, but I just start piddling around. I start in the garden. Lately, I've gotten into pressing flowers and then letting the next thing lead me to the next thing. And then what I've realized with staying curious and allowing room for that is because a lot of the work I do is creative work and it's a lot of output If I'm not filling myself up in those ways, I'm forcing stuff. And I just do things that fill my soul that is work a little bit, but it's like not the work I typically do at the office. What I always find is when I work muscles that I'm not normally working, that it actually unlocks something else. So that when I come to work on Friday, I'm like, I had this idea while I was pressing flowers that it's like the most simple act of doing something creates something else that I always believe that creativity begets creativity. So just 
do creative stuff and then it'll unlock something in your everyday work. And so that is something that I think I have just fought for for myself, that if I'm just going Monday through Friday and then on the weekends, you know, cooking three meals on Saturday because I love to cook for my kids on the weekends. So I'm, I'm cooking like six meals over the weekend. The weekend doesn't really rest for me. It's like working because my kids are all home. That one Thursday, though, has, and I've never had that, that one Thursday is honestly like a complete game changer, even for me when I show up at the office. It's like it's everyone's better for it because I allowed myself just room to do nothing. And recently, a, two weeks ago, I had this wild idea because now I'm like, okay, I figured out canning. Sometimes I'll, I'll sit, be curious about something and it actually sticks where some of the things I've been curious about, you know what? I tried it. I, I don't want to do it. Beekeeping is one that has stuck. I'm like obsessed with it. I don't know if this one's going to stick, but I was like, I want to learn how to ride a horse. Oh, that's my thing. That's how I... Do you it, ride horses? I do. I say this all the time and I feel like it's so inaccessible. Like mm-hmm. I live in a city, but it is the best medicine for people like us because you are on something you actually cannot control. Okay. So that is fascinating because I've never thought about that. That could be why it's good that I'm doing this because I do, for people who like to control things, we, we find the things we can control. Being at ease with something I can't control and trusting the process. That's so hard for me. She's teaching me how to trot right now, which is terrifying. I feel like I am going full speed. You'll be fine. No, but you say that. But when I'm on there, my brain that is saying, you know, that fight yeah. or flight thing, like jump off. I want to jump off because I don't trust where this horse is taking me. No, the most dangerous thing is walking because you then relax and you're not as focused. Wow. If the horse is moving, you're like a game. But in that moment, I can't remember anything and I just freak out. So I think the practice even like this of riding a horse is going to teach me beyond just riding a horse. The practice is going to teach me in moments where I can't control, which I feel like is every day of my life. But my goal is to be a very slow but good barrel racer. Have you ever ever barrel raced? No, but I would love to. Okay, so. We don't have that here. But I want to come visit and go see some barrel racing shows. So the lady who's a neighbor, she has the barrels and she's teaching me right now. I'm going very slow. And Chip is like, hey, Joe, it's not barrel racing. I'm like, I got to learn how to ride a horse first. So Yeah, I, I agree with that. So it's, it's a new hobby I just picked up. And I love that you love horses. That's a great one. Yes. Final question. Who's someone else we should have on the show? I just spent the weekend with her. Amanda... Ramirez from Johnny Swim. I think she would be fascinating. Joanna, thank you so much for the time and congratulations on everything. Daniel, thank you. This was fun. I felt like in some ways it was therapy. Yay! Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle. It's a really good account, I promise. 